Hi, Juliet here with a quick message before this episode starts. Everything you need to be more strategic amid the busyness of the school term is contained in the 170 plus episodes of this podcast. But sometimes you can get there a bit faster with some personalised help. I host a termly online workshop specifically designed to help the support staff within schools to make the shift from being reactive to strategic. Our next workshop is coming up soon and we're going to be reflecting on how things have gone this academic year and strategising for the academic year to come so that you can confidently prioritise your workload, overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and redirect your time and focus onto your priorities. At the end of the session, I promise you're going to be feeling more energised, ready to hit the ground running with a clear plan of action. This term's workshop is going to be run on Thursday the 16th of May, and you can find out more and book your place at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash plan. I hope to see you there. Now, let's launch into this episode. Welcome to the Independent School Podcast. This is the place for senior school leaders to discover innovative ideas and actionable tips that are going to help to strengthen their school's income streams and secure its future. My name's Juliette Corbett and I'm a consultant, speaker and facilitator specialising in independent schools. So thanks for joining me today and let's get started on this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode about Major Gifts Focus. Now, just before we kick off on that subject, I've got a couple of really quick podcast announcements to make. First of all, one of the things we talk about quite a bit on this podcast is strategic trial and error. And I've mentioned before that during this COVID-19 pandemic, it's a really good time to actually try things out that are new to you. When I started this podcast, it was one of my strategic trial and errors for my business. And it's really gone well. I've really enjoyed doing it. The feedback I've had is fantastic. The number of people who've listened is brilliant. I think it's really helping people. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening in and joining me with this on this journey, if you like. One of the things that's going to be changing from this point on is I'm hoping you're going to notice a lot better audio quality, something I've been working on and I'm going to be slowly improving over the coming months as well. So thank you for listening and thank you for your continued help in spreading the word about the Independent School podcast. The other thing I wanted to say was we've obviously been focusing on fundraising a lot recently. And this is to coincide with the reopening of my fundraising focus programme, which is kicking off again from September 2020. As we move into the summer, things change a little bit. Summer is always a little bit different and this summer is going to be quite unusual, but I'm imagining that our routines generally are going to be changing a little bit over the summer. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing five or six much shorter episodes each week over the summer. And we're going to be focusing on strategy. So they're going to be called the strategy briefings. They'll be coming out Thursdays as normal. And we'll be going to be cutting through the strategy jargon that people often associate with this subject. It's one of my passions. I'm really hoping you'll join me on this journey. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And then from September, we'll be returning to our usual mixture of guests and conversations about all the different independent school income streams. Okay, so let's kick off this week's topic. I wanted to talk about major gifts fundraising. Now, quite often I work with schools where they're doing some major gifts fundraising, but it's not necessarily as front and centre as I recommend it should be for an independent school. Now, this is something that came up during the IDP Live virtual conference a couple of weeks ago. And it's also something that I've posted on LinkedIn about 
I've had a really interesting comments and really good feedback on the idea of covering this topic in the podcast. And so we're going to be talking about a couple of different things today. First of all, why focusing on major gifts is important in the first place. And then I'm going to talk about overcoming four of the barriers which I think people experience and the the feedback from LinkedIn shows that people do definitely experience in trying to make this one of their focuses. So it's about not making assumptions, building an understanding from your senior leadership, getting the right systems in place and then making time for it on a day-to-day basis. So let's talk first of all about why Major Gifts Fundraising needs to be a central part of your strategy. So first of all, just to say, I'm not recommending that you can just do Major Gifts Fundraising. All those other activities are still very important. The engagement activities, legacy fundraising, regular giving, increasingly crowd fundraising, all of this stuff is also important. What I'm saying is that major gifts activity is often the most proactive of these. So if you take your eye off the ball, then it tends to slip down the order of importance and you tend not to dedicate enough time to it. So it's really worthwhile reflecting on how much time you're giving to your major gifts fundraising. And the reason for that is that the benchmarking here in the UK by IDP and Graham Pelton back in 2018, really showed that major gifts fundraising should be a central part of your school strategy. Schools that devoted more time to major gifts fundraising raised more philanthropic income. And they found that a kind of a tipping point when schools are spending about 10% of their time overall on major gifts fundraising, it really seems to increase that income that's raised. It also found that schools that are raising more than £1 million per year spent 20% of their time on major gifts fundraising. So this really is one of the ways that you can look to increase your philanthropic income. And it isn't something to wait around on. It's something you can do right from the beginning of setting up an office. And it can continue to be important all the way through as the office matures. So you're definitely looking to spend between 10 and 20% of your time, if not more, on major gifts fundraising. And without making a conscious effort to do this, the work often gets left behind. You get distracted by all of the other things where you're having to be reactive to deadlines for publications, to deadlines for events work, to all of those little emails that clog up our our email every single day. Major Gifts work is quite proactive. You have to have the discipline to really put it front and centre. And it's also really important during the recovery from COVID-19. Major Gifts can be one of the first things that you start focusing on again because you can get individual feedback from potential donors and then use that information to inform the rest of your fundraising programme. Okay, so having established that major gifts fundraising should be a key element of what you're doing as a school fundraiser, we're going to think about the first barrier that gets in the way of that. So I think the first thing that often gets in the way is people making assumptions, which are often false and just haven't been fact-checked. So things like people saying, well, no one in my school community is rich, it's fine for other schools, but it's major gifts isn't really for us. Things like saying, we're going into a significant recession. No one's going to want to give a major gift. No one can give a major gift right now. And then following this up by saying, OK, so if major gift isn't for us, then we're going to focus on regular giving and legacies. Now, the regular giving return on investment just isn't as high as it is for major gifts. And legacies are very important, but they do take a long time for that programme to mature. 
So it's going to be important to fact check those assumptions that you're making. So first of all, trying to reframe the term major gift so it's relevant for your school. It depends on the type of school you're fundraising for, the culture of giving that's already established or not within that school. But you need to define what a major gift is. Now, for some schools, that may be £5,000. It may be £2,500 to begin with. For other schools, it's going to be more like £50,000 as being the, the lower end of what you determine as being a major gift. Whatever it is, frame it for your school and for your environment. And then you need to undertake a feasibility study to test those assumptions. Now, this doesn't need to be an expensive external consultancy led study. It can be something that you do internally, but it is important to have some kind of structure around those conversations. Um, Do contact me if you're interested in ways that we can work together on this. I do offer coaching for directors of development who want to do feasibility studies internally or indeed flexible approaches to a smaller scale, cost efficient external feasibility study. It's also important that you do this with your adapted case for support. So we spoke about this in episode nine. Do check that out if you're looking for advice on how to adapt your case for support. So the feasibility study will give you a sense of whether there are people within your community who have the capacity and the willingness to support your fundraising project and at what level. So after you've done your feasibility study or indeed potentially instead of it, you want to test the waters. So you want to speak to some of your major gift prospects, some people who are already warm, maybe they're previous donors, maybe they're not, but they're quite close to the school and they're part of the school's life already. Make a gentle ask and just see what the response is. You're just testing out to see whether or not there is willingness and capacity within your school community for this type of giving, this type of major gifts. It's quite similar to the informal market research episode I did a couple of episodes ago. So if you want to see links to that, if you head to www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash 011, you'll find the episode notes for this episode and I'll link to some of the other ones that are relevant. So you really need to check the assumptions that you're making and make sure you're not shying away from major gifts fundraising for unsubstantiated reasons. So the next barrier I wanted to talk about is a lack of understanding from senior leadership and the LinkedIn comments, uh, which I got when I posted about the fact I was preparing this episode, really did focus on this particular barrier. They felt that there was a lack of understanding commitment from leadership, firstly, that it takes time to develop major gifts pipeline. And secondly, that it takes an investment in staffing resources in order to develop the depth of relationships that are necessary. Now, Developing an understanding from your senior leadership for fundraising is really important. To what extent they're involved in the actual fundraising may indeed depend on the personalities and capabilities of of those senior leaders, but getting their support is absolutely essential. So I have mentioned this in a couple of other episodes recently, which I'm going to refer you to. So if you head to the episode notes for this week's episode, and in there I've referred you to a couple of other episodes episode seven, where I talk about getting your head on board during COVID-19 for fundraising, and also episode three, which is directly aimed at heads and bursters in order to educate them to understand the importance of investment for fundraising. So do head over there if you want some more information on overcoming that particular barrier. This is also one of the things that I focus on in one of the masterclasses for my fundraising focus program. So if you're interested in talking about that, just get in touch. 
The next barrier that I think gets in the way of people spending enough time on major gifts fundraising is having the systems in place that are necessary to be as efficient as possible in this area. So if you're only going to have a short amount of time each week to dedicate to this, you want to make sure it is as efficient as possible. So examples of the sorts of major gift systems I'm talking about. Firstly, it's making sure that your database is providing you with the data storage and reporting that makes managing that donor pipeline as efficient as possible. So each stage that people go through from identification through cultivation, asking and then stewardship needs to be recorded within your database and you need to be able to pull reports in order to assess how many people are at each stage, how long it takes to to move people through that pipeline and to what extent that is successful for you in terms of, of resulting in gifts. Now, the most sophisticated way of doing this is through a moves management system, which can be built into your database. And moves management is all about having a system in place to ensure that you're proactively building relationships with people over time. Now, these relationships need to be personal. So the way that you correspond with people and the way you talk to them needs to be really one to one and feel really personalised. But if as a major gifts officer or a director of development in charge of major gifts, you've got 50, 100, however many prospects you're trying to manage at any one time, you're not going to be able to do it and make it personal without some kind of system behind the scenes. So examples of this might include, for example, having your database prompt you when it's someone's birthday coming up so that you can send them a thoughtful note card wishing them a happy birthday. Things like having the database prompt you when you might want to include a covering note over your magazine before it goes out to a particular donor, perhaps highlighting a particular article within that magazine that you think, based on your conversations previously, you might think they are particularly interested in. It might be a bit more proactive. Again, it might be inviting people to tea with the head. Of course, that's going to be virtual at the moment, but you know, hopefully we'll be seeing each other face to face again at some point in the future. Offering them a tour of the school, again, either virtually or in person, you can actually plot out the opportunities that you have to develop these relationships in advance and then select the ideas which are most appropriate for individual donors. So it's about balancing having a system behind the scenes with still making it really, really personal. The other thing you want to do in terms of major gift systems is have in place any policies that you require in advance. So a gift acceptance policy, a donor recognition policy, ethical fundraising policy, whatever it is that you need. Obviously, this is all based on the regulatory environment within your own country. It's something which having got in place will guide your fundraising for years. It's not something you need to to spend time on over and over again, but it, it is a fantastic investment of time at the beginning to make sure you have all of this in place before you're going out and really talking to people. And the advantage of having these systems in place is it makes you more efficient so you can handle more major gifts prospects. It makes the system more reliable. You're not going to forget to keep a promise that you've made to a prospect if your database is helping to remind you of that action that you may need to take in one or two months time. And it also reduces the effect of staff turnover. Now, staff turnover is a major problem in major gifts fundraising because the relationships you're building are so personal. But given that we do sometimes have staff turnover, having a system in place means that at least you're not going to drop the ball on certain procedural issues, certain promises you've made to donors. 
even if you are having to work again from scratch on developing that personal connection with a potential donor. So it's all beneficial in prompting that proactive work, which is absolutely essential for putting major gifts at the centre of your fundraising programme. So the final barrier I want to talk about today is making time for this major gifts activity. And this is something I talk about so much. Every time I'm speaking on the subject of strategy or strategic thinking skills, it comes down to a lack of time and prioritising this activity. Each time I'm speaking to a school and a client about making time for major gifts fundraising, it's carving out time in their diary, which is one of the major stumbling blocks. In fact, I was going to be giving a talk on it at the IDP annual conference this year, which unfortunately um, didn't go ahead. But this is something that comes up time and time again. Now, I'm going to give you some top tips now. It's going to be very, very brief. And I'm going to do another full episode on this in the autumn. I'm hoping to track down an expert on time management and efficiency to speak to about this topic because it really is central. So a couple of ideas for now. First of all, that work that you've done in communicating to others about why major gifts is important comes back in again here. If you've done that communication piece and people understand this is important, it makes it much easier to say no to things that are going to distract you from this core activity. It also makes it easier to block time in your diary and justify that to others, both on your team or perhaps more senior than you. Blocking a time of day that works for you. We all have different body clocks. Some of us work best in the morning, others in the afternoon. Clearly, it also needs to be a time of day when you're going to be most able to get in touch with prospects. Having the confidence to just turn off your email. You do not need to be tethered to your email for your entire working day. So turning off that distraction can help you to really focus on an activity of strategic importance. And give yourself a length of time which is enough to get into the flow of this kind of work. Sometimes having the the confidence to pick up the phone to a potential donor, for some people that can take a bit of guts, it can take a bit of working up to. If you're just doing that once a week, you're having to build yourself up to it each time you do it. If you set aside yourself two hours in which to make multiple calls, you get into the flow, you get into a rhythm of what you're doing. And the first one or two, you might have to build yourself up before you pick up the phone. But after that, you're just on a roll. So give yourself enough time to to get into the flow of this activity. And this is all something, again, which we talk about in the Fundraising Focus programme. And it was great recently to hear some fantastic feedback. Someone in my Fundraising Focus programme at the end of the last programme told me, that they had started not checking emails first thing in the morning, but spending that first hour of their day focusing on something really important for their major gifts activity. And it had been a game changer for them. They'd been able to focus on that activity, make steps forward every single day. And it had really made a difference for them, which is fantastic to hear. So that's a couple of basic ideas. There's much more that I can talk about on this subject. And we will return to this subject in the autumn. But just for now, to recap... Major gifts fundraising should be a central part of your school's fundraising strategy. Look at the assumptions that you're making, which might be getting in the way. There are people in your community who can give a little bit more than others or a little bit more than they are at the moment. And even if you're starting from scratch and you feel your community does not have the capacity to give really significant major gifts... Just redefine what we're talking about as a major gift and start from there. It will build over time. 
Put the time and the effort into building that understanding from senior leadership, getting the systems in place to make sure you're as efficient as possible, and then really carving out time in your diary, making it important, making it something that is central to your working week. Overcoming those barriers will help you to focus more on your major gifts activity. So as I said before, this is something that we really focus on in the Fundraising Focus Programme, which is all about building in time for the things that are going to strategically advance your fundraising. Now, I know that school budgets are tight at the moment for consultancy advice, but this programme is designed to be as cost effective as possible. So do get in touch, set up a free call and we'll get you some free advice on whether or not that programme might be helpful. Fantastic. So we're going to leave it there. And remember, for next week, we're going to be talking about strategy and all things strategy through the summer from the strategy briefings. Do spread the word. If this podcast has been helpful for you, let all your colleagues know. Um, word of mouth is the best form of marketing. We all know that. Fantastic. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Bye then. So that's it for today. And thanks for listening to the Independent School Podcast. If you want to make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes, you can sign up for my newsletter at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash sign up. There you can also explore the various ways that I help independent schools to strengthen their income streams and secure their future. Fantastic. See you next time then.